This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Everybody and uh, well, 2022, hooray, hooray! And uh, it, it's uh, the Arty Farty Show. Welcome to the Arty Farty Show on 105.4 FM Otago Access Radio, and of course um, uh, also on AM 10, uh, which you probably tuned into. Those people who are still tuned into AM. Uh, and uh, I've got uh, Julie Woods in the studio with me today. Uh, Andy Cook's away on holiday. Uh, and or either that or he's working at the shop again. Now, you can't keep away from the place. Art Zone. Uh, you know, the place where you go to get all your art materials, your brushes and your paints and your paper. The best place in town for that, for me anyway. I certainly uh, um, uh, go to uh, Art Zone. Another thing that uh, they... Uh, they uh, do oh, they do all sorts of things, really. Anything to do with art, actually. Uh, so uh, whatever genre you tend to uh, use, uh, you can be assured that uh, Andy and uh, staff will look after you. It's in Hanover Street, uh, just in case you don't know. And uh, it's uh, been there for quite a while. And um, they're um, open every day except Mondays. Uh, and uh, Sundays, of course, Mon- Sunday and Monday, uh, but uh, they're open uh, fr- on uh, the weekends now, which is new, uh, 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock, I think I've got it right. Uh, anyway, uh, today uh, you're going to be treated to something a little bit different. It's still all about art, of course, and uh, my wife, Judy Woods, is accompanying me today. She know- She's known as that blind woman, and uh, uh, Julie and I have travelled extensively all over the world and it didn't seem uh, uh, that we uh, a good thing not to share it with other people so Julie what was our uh, what did we decide to do good morning Ron and good morning listeners and happy new year we decided in 2009 to visit uh, Paris and celebrate the life of Louis Braille, the little French boy who invented his system of reading and writing that blind people uh, would read all around the world. The international blind community was going to celebrate Louis Braille's 200th birthday with a conference in Paris, and you and I said, why not, Ron? We did indeed. To going to Paris. And what a wonderful time it was, too, in, uh, to be in Paris uh, at New Year. Uh, and it was, in fact, uh, extraordinary because it snowed. I've never been to Paris when it snowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what a wonderful uh, sight it is. They say, you know, where it wasn't it uh, the famous song, I Love Paris, uh, in the summer when it sizzles. 
Uh, I love Paris in the fall. I love Paris in the winter. When the snow falls, I'm not sure how that goes. I I love Paris in the spring, but... Yes, yeah. Anyway, Uh, we decided to attend the conference and really that was just the beginning of a journey that took us then on to Egypt and Jordan because the Paris part of the trip was my part and Ron's part was, do you want to go to Egypt and Jordan? And I said, "Mm, why not? And, of course, we headed uh, to Paris and Jordan and then we discovered that Paris was indeed one, um, sorry, Petra was one of the wonders of the world. And we thought to ourselves, what are the other six? We came home and Ron did some research on what the other six were. And we decided to set ourselves a goal of visiting the seven wonders of the world. Now, when we achieved that, uh, uh, we thought, wouldn't it make a great book? And this is what um, Ron has in front of him now, is a copy of a book called Wonderlust, which has not yet been published, but thanks to COVID lockdown March, April 2020, Ron was able to set to and paint the illustrations for this book, and we thought that we would share those illustrations uh, with you today. So shall we scoot back to Paris, Ron, and be under the Eiffel Tower in the snow? Well, yes, I think so. We um, stayed at the Hotel Prince, uh, which is near uh, uh, Place Le Col uh, Militaire, and uh, the view outside uh, was one of the first things that we really, after we'd uh, found our way uh, virtually at night through uh, the underground and so on, the metro, and uh, uh, finally into our little hotel, which was lovely for about 10 days, I think we were there. And uh, the window opened out onto the, the main street in front of us. And uh, I uh, had um, the winter trees with no foliage on them. And uh, I painted uh, the scene out on the street, uh, which is one of the first uh, illustrations uh, we have in the uh, in the book Uh, and uh, from there of course uh, we started to uh, uh, including uh, going to the conference we uh, enjoyed uh, the sights of Paris and uh, one of those sights of course has to be the Eiffel Tower and uh, we uh, uh, were very happily uh, sitting underneath the the Eiffel Tower in this illustration Julie and myself and we've got a a, a bottle of wine I don't think you're allowed to drink in the uh, near the Eiffel Tower, uh, but anyway, the sign was in French. Yeah, well, of course, uh, mm. uh, and je ne parle pas français, of course. Uh, so, oh, oh, I said I don't speak French. Well, that's not very good, is it, Jim? <laughs> uh, so, what we did, in fact, do uh, on in the Eiffel Tower was we climbed to the top, Ron, on January the fourth, two thousand and nine, Louis Braille's two hundredth birthday, and that was a real thrill to be able to do that. Go up the stairs, go up the lift, go up more stairs, go up the lift to get to the top and of course the doors opened and I was at the front but nobody wanted to get out because they could all see and I couldn't see how far down um, it was. I proceeded to the railing and hoped that the French 
had indeed put a railing at the top and called out over the city of Paris, Happy birthday, Louis Braille. And bonjour. Yeah, bonjour. It was beautiful. And the Eiffel Tower is so iconic, and it was wonderful to have you do that painting, Ron, because of the iconic nature of the tower. It's lovely to have have that. Yes, uh, it, um, uh, I'd been up the Eiffel Tower before, but I'd never, I don't, oh yes, I had been to the top before, uh, but I must say I've ne- I'd never had such a joyous uh, um, uh, reaction to running out onto the, uh, the uh, up to the railings, which fortunately were there, because I don't think Julie was too sure they were, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Good faith. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, uh, so uh, we enjoyed the uh, the uh, uh, Paris through the uh, um, the uh, conference, which uh, had a myriad of uh, things that were uh, very much blind orientated. They had a, an organist at Notre Dame, and uh, that he was a blind organist. I think there were a number of organists. Five. Five organists. And uh, this, of course, is a great tribute to Louis Braille himself, who was a musician. Just this, that boy of, uh, that was 12 years old, I think Julie might uh, catch you up on the history of, uh, of young Louis Braille, who has become quite a hero to Julie. That's right, Ron. He was 12 when he began inventing his system of reading and writing, writing, and he was 15 when he completed it, and he was just a young boy. It took him five years then to go on and invent music braille, which you're referring to. He invented the literary code first and then created the music braille code at the request of the students at the school for the blind where he first attended and then went on and taught and Louis Braille did indeed perform or play the organ at Notre Dame Cathedral which is quite a feat as you could imagine for a young man in in the 1820s it's a long time ago so that night we got to go and hear five blind organists recite and and it was very special and uh, very moving. And uh, I understand that uh, uh, there's quite a tribute to Louis, apart from uh, uh, the fact that he played music there, uh, down in the crypt. Can you describe That's it? right. So we went down in the Pantheon downstairs. The Pantheon is the building in Paris where... French literary heroes are buried or laid to rest and Louis Braille is downstairs in the crypt next to Victor Hugo and his he wasn't originally buried there on he was actually buried in his home village of Coupfray but when Louis Braille's legacy be- grew and he became internationally famous they actually exhumed his body in 18 18- 52, 100 years after his death and chopped off his hands, left his hands in Coupre and took the rest of his body and buried him in the Pantheon. Wow. Uh, that's a thought, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is a thought. Yeah, It's a and, French thought. And uh, so um, we went to Coupre, which was a wonderful thing to do. Uh, you might like to talk about that. And so Ron's done an illustration, which he, he, he will tell you in a minute. But Coupre is the village where Louis Braille was born on the 4th of January, 1809. So it's around uh, this time of the year that we celebrate his life. He was born to 
father Simon René and mother Monique he was the fourth child his parents were relatively old when they had him Ron his father was 44 his mother 49 and his father was a harness maker worked with leather and, and indeed that is how Louis had his accident with the sharp tool Louis was playing downstairs in the workshop and the sharp tool went into his eye and caused an infection and that spread uh, which later um, Louis by the time he was four years old was totally blind so we got to go to visit the birthplace uh, where all this stuff happened go into the kitchen where Louis Braille had been born we got to go downstairs to the workshop where he'd had his accident and then we climbed upstairs to the attic which is now a museum and then came outside and uh, stood in, in front of the birth place Ron I don't know whether you've got the plaque do you have did you include the plaque on the the, the, the plaque actually uh, is on, can be seen on the wall, but you wouldn't know that it, that it was that plaque. However, I've got, uh, you are sitting, you're standing outside with your cane, and the flag of uh, New Zealand is in the uh, garden. Who did that? <laughs> How did that get there? <laughs> well, I decided, uh, well, it was cold. I had my winter jacket on, and when we came out and it had been snowing, I put my hand in the pocket and I felt a small New Zealand flag you know the little ones that you get from the New Zealand shop so I decided to kneel down in the braille garden and plant that New Zealand flag just to let Louis Braille know that Kiwis were thinking of him on a special day Very good Julie and of course as you uh, uh, alluded to uh, when you were describing the uh, the reason we wrote a book, it was uh, because uh, we uh, had uh, decided uh, that it would be a great thing to visit the seven wonders of the world. And I did my research, as she uh, Julie asked me to do, and uh, of course uh, it was um, uh, a simple matter because we were flying uh, by uh, what was it? the United. Arab uh, Emirates, uh, and they fly uh, straight to uh, across Egypt, and uh, we were able to fly to uh, to Egypt. Uh, sorry, to Jordan. That's is that, oh, we went to Egypt first, didn't we? We did. And then we went to Jordan, and of course that was the first of the seven wonders, Petra, and uh, that's the rose red city, which is just a, a, an amazing place. I'd always wanted to visit it. My mother had described it to me, and the way they approached it through a Sikh, which is just a, a sort of a, a crack in the in a, a it was it had been lost to civilization for years and years, and it was rediscovered. So the the illustrations that we've that you've done for the book Wonderlust um, step through those the ones that you've just described and and you've got the one of Petra in front of you now. Well, uh, I, of course, because we'd gone to Egypt and uh, we were able to uh, uh, see camels and uh, you know all the things that you you and you uh, associate with Egypt, and uh, we did go to Abu Simbel and that was one of the first uh, illustrations that I did. Uh, uh, this is where the uh, uh, the uh, Abu Simbel temple was moved actually uh, in order to make uh, uh, room to put the Aswan Dam, dam uh, in and they uh, did an amazing job and moved it brick by brick uh, up the Nile uh, 
Uh, and uh, it's uh, just an amazing sight. To f- we flew over. A doctor uh, who I'd befriended on the flight uh, told me exactly when I would be able to see uh, the uh, uh, from the air, see the um, the view from the air. I got a great photograph of it as we flew over. And I always I always paint from photographs that I've taken myself. And this is uh, that sight that we got uh, of. Uh, uh, the um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Abu <laughs> Simba. Abu Simba, of course, and uh, and then then we visited it uh, after that. But it was a, a staggering sight from the air, I have to say. And then um, uh, from there on, we uh, then flew Jordan Air, lovely uh, airplane owned, I think, by the King of uh, Jordan. Uh, and uh, we were the next wonder that we wanted to go and see, of course, was as we've said before, Petra. And uh, we uh, had some wonderful adventures there, didn't we, Julie? What Spe- are your memories? Speaking of the King of Jordan, we hmm. checked into our hotel in Petra. And Ron said to the receptionist, um, "Excuse me, but um, can you tell me why you have a portrait of Sean Connery above <laughs> your desk?" And the receptionist turned round and said, "That is King Hussein, <laughs> the King of Jordan." So Ron just about started World War Three <laughs> while we were there. That's right. But of course, our, as Ron said, our great joy at that moment was being in Petra and going to Petra and the wonderful Bedouin people I think were a particular highlight including the guide that we had Jessib who was a very proud Bedouin man who had spent time out of the country but had come back to Jordan to promote his homeland really to tourists and we had started walking along Petra Uh, with him and Ron was joshing around with him as you could imagine and told Jessup that he had been offered 5,000 camels for Julie in Egypt um, thinking that Jessup might up the offer (laughs) but instead Jessup in very Bedouin style turned to Ron and said there are not enough camels in the world for this woman (laughs) And how true that is, of course. Uh, Well said, Jessup. Uh, So uh, we knocked off uh, one of the first wonders of the world for uh, for our project, and then we were really uh, into it. I think we. How many? How how long did it take us overall to visit the seven wonders of the world? Five years, five and a half years. So it's uh, quite a project. Um, that was our first one, and that's when we came home and said, what are the other six? Yes, So indeed. then we set ourselves a dream to visit the seven wonders of the world. And where did we go next? We went to China. China. Uh, indeed we did and uh, you know we didn't uh, just go to the uh, these wonders of the world that was part of it uh, but of course we had an opportunity to visit uh, and see the many other the sort of the wonders that are not on the UNESCO uh, uh, seven wonders of the world as they uh, have uh, as they have nominated them so we went up the Lee River and we went to um, as Yarn, where the uh, uh, the uh, the warriors are, terracotta, the, terracotta warriors. warriors, 
and uh, uh, the Guilin, uh, where the uh, cormorant fishing takes place. Uh, just a, a wonderful opportunity to uh, see some parts of the world we might not otherwise have had an opportunity to see if we weren't on our little project. So we came back to Beijing where we visited the Forbidden City and Tiananmen Square, the Summer Palace and of course our second wonder of the world, the Great Wall of China. And that, it, uh, I have to say that it's actually not made of China, uh, but this particular part of the wall is in Badalang, which is uh, about 50 kilometres out of uh, Beijing. And uh, I have sort of rather romantically painted the Great Wall of China uh, with two people uh, talking to a monk or a, a priest. And uh, of course those two people are Julie and I. So sometimes I must say that the artist uh, took the opportunity to put uh, the two of us into, uh, into the paintings or the illustrations. <laughs> number so, three, wonder number three Yes, wonder number three Takes us to the Colosseum in Rome Ah yes, that's right uh, uh, Not before visiting um, Florence, I think, at that, at that time Is that right? Or was that? Yeah, that's great, we did uh, And uh, Florence, of course, I did a painting there Of the wonderful um, cathedral Which is uh, Santa Maria uh, Cathedral and a, a, a wonderful landmark of which there are many in Florence, uh, and uh, one of, and the other one, of course, is the famous statue of David, uh, and the Uffizi Gallery, uh, beautiful, beautiful, and of course Ponte Vecchio, which uh, uh, crosses the river there. A lot of people ask me, Ron, when we began travelling, how can you sightsee when you can't see? And I would always reply with, because I smell, hear, taste and touch. And every day I'm away, I keep a diary. One thing that I have smelt in the day, heard in the day, touched in the day, tasted in the day. And I remember my sensory diary for the day we were in Florence. My touch entry was the elaborate frame of The Birth of Venus by Botticelli. Oh, Judy has become a bit of an expert on art, actually, and she can really uh, blow away some uh, people who believe that if you're blind you don't uh, really know much about art. And, of course, uh, because I dragged her around all these galleries, <laughs> she's uh, become quite adept at uh, uh, nominating the paintings and who painted them. But I was afforded some wonderful privileges as well, and that's a great example of that. You know, really being able to, I mean, really when I think about it, being able to touch the frame of an artwork mm. such as that, I mean, it's pretty astonishing mm. that they allowed me to do so. And, um, yeah, I'm f I feel very blessed to have done that. Um, the uh, As Julie uh, mentioned, Rome, of course, was uh, the next uh, place that we went to, and that is where... Uh, the Colosseum uh, lies and is one of the uh, great, uh, one of the wonders of the one world. One of the seven wonders of one the world. Of the seven wonders. Wonder number three for us. Mm -hmm. We had a, we went in a group party. Our guide was called Marco, and he was taking us around the Colosseum, telling us all of the stories, of course. And then we had to go upstairs, and he turned to my direction, his voice, and he said, and you can take the lift. <laughs> and I said, no, I'll, I'll take 
the stairs, thank you. And he said, no, no, you take her the lift. And I said, no, I take her the stairs. And at that moment, uh, an American tourist uh, woman tapped me on the shoulder and said, blow you, she said, I was going to take the lift. Now I have to take the stairs. (laughs) But my argument is that how else would a blind woman know how the Colosseum felt or smelt or, or sort of felt um, unless I did actually climb those 56 steps that had been walked up by thousands of Romans for hundreds of years before me. Yes, what a story. That was such a, a, a moment. Uh, and uh, the uh, Colosseum's enormous, of course, and uh, the enormity of the building mm. was... Uh, uh, the only way she could feel mm. that was by climbing those stairs That's where centurions right, yeah, had exactly. walked uh, centuries before. Now, I'm going to play uh, a song that uh, has a, a great deal of relevance to this. It's um, Fleetwood Mac, and they're playing Seven Wonders.
is your one-stop shop for all your art supplies and picture framing needs. Whether you're a professional artist or enthusiastic beginner, ArtZone has everything you need to create your masterpiece. That's ArtZone, 61 Hanover Street, proud sponsor of the Arti Fahia on Otago Access Radio. And uh, it's uh, Ron Esplin speaking here without Andy Cook, who normally does the uh, Arty Farty show. And uh, that's just a reminder to you folks that that's the place where you go to get your art materials at Art Zone in Hanover Street. Uh, many of you will uh, be uh, confirmed. Uh, customers of Andy's and you'll know how well he's able to look after people who are wanting to do things artistic like myself I'm a very uh, um, regular customer there and uh, they sponsor the show the Arty Farty show which you're listening to now and we're going to continue our story which is uh, called well Wonderlust uh, it's uh, uh, called that because suddenly we uh, had as you heard in the previous section we had found uh, that uh, we, we would challenge ourselves to visit the seven wonders of the world and the uh, Wonderlust title of the book that we produced is um, uh, uh, a tribute to the uh, to that. And hence, of course, the last track you heard was the Seven Wonders uh, from Fleetwood Mac. And Julie, now we've uh, uh, reached uh, uh, the next wonder, uh, which is the Taj Mahal in India. Wonder number four. Yes, so of course the Temple of Love, a beautiful place in the world. We visited with the guide Sanjeev, who showed us very um, beautifully round the building. And uh, what a great space, I mean it is. Uh, my sensory diary entry for that day, I remember my touch entry, was feeling the semi-precious gemstones and engraved marble on the wall of the Taj Mahal. I mean, the the artisanship, Ron, is astonishing, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's, uh, uh, it, it's earned its place as... Uh, I don't know that they rank the Seven Wonders uh, because they're all equally amazing. <laughs> uh, but the, it's situated right beside uh, uh, a major river and uh, uh, you know to see uh, the sun uh, setting uh, with the four uh, uh, columns that surround the magnificent building and the wonderful dome, uh, the light just plays over that uh, wonderful building, and you get uh, amazing uh, dawns and uh, uh, sunsets uh, with the, the turning. It turns it pink, which is just quite fantastic. They talked about the different colours um, of the Taj Mahal, didn't they? So how have you painted it, Ron? Well, um, I, I actually uh, found it quite difficult to find a view that was um, 
perhaps not quite the uh, the normal one. What you'd expect it would be, uh, which I did actually do once, uh, was of uh, the scene from the when you go into the entrance and you see right down to the uh, to the seat that is uh, known now as the Diana seat, uh, which we may talk about just in a minute or two. Uh, but uh, then there's a quite a long. Uh, uh, sort of an artificial lake that goes all the way up and reflects uh, the view that you have of the um, uh, Taj Mahal. Uh, so I decided to approach it from a different angle. No, I don't think I've seen anybody do it before from here, uh, but it was a, um, uh, there's some trees around the side, and I decided to include the trees to frame that magnificent scene and uh, there are some people in it of course I said before Julie and I are in the um, painting and uh, it gives you an idea of the scale of the building which is just enormous we stayed in the JP Hotel that night, which is a very large hotel in Agra, where the Taj Mahal is lo located, and we kept getting lost. But we kept getting found by this wonderful young porter called Needy Pandy, and I had been writing the names of our guides in Braille. And Needy Pandy came to our room the next morning, and I handed her name to her, and she cried. She said words could not describe how I'm feeling at this time. And that was, you know, a, a really big response from a little act of braille kindness, which ultimately went on, Ron, to inspire me to set my own dream of writing one million names in braille. It was a very special experience, uh, the Taj Mahal in India. Yes, it was very special and made us realise, in fact how uh, a staff and some of these uh, pretty uh, wonderful hotels are normally treated and uh, it was clearly uh, treatment that was somewhat that she was slightly unused to but i think it also acts as a reminder of the people that you meet along the way people are never in the brochures they're not in the seven wonders of the world but it's the people who make the experiences so great. And I think she's a great reminder of how one person can, you know, give you an impression of a whole country, really. I guess we all do that mm -hmm. in certain ways, which can, can be a little scary. But um, in Needy Pandy's case and India's case, it wasn't scary at all. Well, talking of the people, of course, our guide in... Uh uh, at, around the uh, or the, the first fl places we went to, which is Fatipur Sikri, which is um, uh, a city that was abandoned because uh, the water um, dried up, and uh, if you don't have water, you can't uh, you can't live there, and that's exactly what happened. They abandoned the city, uh, and uh, then our guide took us to uh, Agra and to the uh, uh, the first our first site uh, of uh, the. Uh, Taj Mahal from the door and uh, he, he told us that he was going to take us uh, first talk about the history and then he was going to take us to sit on the on the Diana seat and I looked at where the Diana seat was and it was just a, a mass of people and I thought my gosh how is he going to there's no way we're going to be able to sit on that seat because people were queuing up and getting onto the, onto the seat and uh, it, uh, we could have spent half a day just sitting there waiting to get a chance to go on however uh, after he 
he'd done his history very you know, um, casually. He, he led us down to uh, uh, where the Diana seat was. He says, no, we're going to sit on the Diana seat. And uh, I thought, oh, I don't know about this. And he addressed the crowd in Hindi. And they spread out like the like a, a wave, and uh, abandoned the seat. And he then just gestured to us to sit on on it, uh, and we took as many photographs as we liked. And he took some of us on the seat, and uh, with the uh, Taj Mahal in the background. And uh, as we walked away after we'd had our fill of photographs, I said, "How on earth did you do that?" And he said, "Ron." Sometimes we have to play the sympathy card. He <laughs> <laughs> said, there's a blind woman here who is going to sit on the seat. Please stand back. And it worked. Well done. We, we took that one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sometimes it works that way. So where are we off to now, Julie? Well, I'm getting about, so excited. Yeah, it is. We're excited because we're about to hop on a plane, Ron, to go to South America where we visited Wonders number five and six and then headed on to Central America for number seven. So our first stop is uh, Buenos Aires and in Argentina where we began our trip towards our fifth wonder, Christ the Redeemer, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And what a magnificent sight that is. Uh, we, um, uh, of course, the it's, it's one of the natural seven wonders of the world. There are, there are, um, the harbourers. Yes, the harbourers, that's right. Mm. And uh, the uh, statue of Christ the Redeemer is uh, one of the wonders of the world that we were seeking to see, but we saw both for the price of one. Built in 1931 to celebrate 100 years of independence from the Portuguese, it sits you know, high above the city of Rio de Janeiro, so you go up through a rainforest. One of the entries I had for that day for touch was travelling on an outdoor escalator up to the statue and I don't think I'd ever been on an outdoor escalator before Ron and that was something that was quite wondrous to <laughs> me really um, a different kind of experience and the, the sound of the tourists clicking photos that was a sound uh, that I remember from that day and uh, the statue of Christ the Redeemer stands on top of a hill uh, with his arms outstretched it's an enormous edifice and uh, uh, the thing for everyone uh, is to uh, stand uh, with their arms outstretched, <laughs> you know, and get, get, get the two figures in the uh, into the photo. I don't think we did that. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Yeah. It was that night, Ron. Actually, we came down and had dinner, and I proposed to you. Not proposed. We're already <laughs> married by then. I proposed the idea of if we wrote a book and you illustrated it, what would we call it? Oh, and yeah. quick as a flash, you said Wonderlust. Oh, that's nice. And that name has stuck. It has, and so that's the book you can be watching out for uh, in the fullness of time. It's written, and all we've got to do uh, is publish it. So that we, just, we do. We just need to have a boosted campaign and raise the funds to print it, and that hopefully now that we're in 2022 will be our goal for the year on. Yes. Yeah. Where do we go next? Wonder number six. Wonder number six. I must add here that we have illustrations that go throughout the book that are uh, that are places that we went on the journey uh, but of course we are focusing uh, today 
play on the actual Seven Wonders, which are also illustrated in, in the book. And the next one is Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu, meaning old peak. Mm, yeah. 2,400 metres above sea level, built in the 15th century by the Incas. What a stunning place to be in the world. We were relieved that we weren't affected by altitude sickness and we caught the train from Aliante Tambo up to Agus Caliente which we then caught the bus up to Machu Picchu and wandered around the old citadel. My touch entry for that day, Ron, is the perfectly laid um, dry stone wall in the Inca Citadel. Mm. I mean, the technology is phenomenal, isn't it? And imagine carrying all those stones up all that way. Well, we hardly ever know really exactly how they went about that. Uh, and the accuracy with which they were placed, uh, hardly a, uh, it, it, just a crack between the uh, rocks. And uh, they, they're just absolutely uh, um, uh, flush against one mm. another. How mm. that works, mm. I have no idea. Uh, the scene that I've chosen to paint is actually uh, part of it. It was a little cloudy at the time. We were not, not too badly, actually. Not too badly clouded. It cleared, didn't it? It did. And I, and when it cleared, I, uh, man, I managed to get uh, the uh, uh, a couple of the peaks. And, of course, uh, grazing around uh, in that area uh, are the... Um, what do you call those? Uh, Llamas. <laughs> Llamas, that's it. <laughs> Llamas in pyjamas. Yes, that's right. So uh, I've got some llamas in there, so there's absolutely no doubt about where we are. Do you know what? That came up in a chase question the other day uh, about Machu Picchu and what were the animals that were rove around. Or, yeah. And it's like, I know that, it's llamas. Yeah. It's Ron's painted them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wonderful that, part of the world. Wonder now, number six, Machu Picchu. And, of course, this is over a period of time that we were doing this. We weren't jumping from one to the other quite this way. Although we did, Ron, let's just share with the listeners at your next painting mm -hmm. because we went on a big train ride from um, Cusco to Puno, 10 hours. Ron said we're going on a 10-hour train journey. Mm, why not? I loved it. Oh. Anyway, it was uh, beautifully done. Peru Rail is honestly one of the best railways in the world. They t totally entertain you and feed you along the way. We arrived in Puno and went on to the floating reed islands of Lake Titicaca and then headed our way towards Bolivia and the next painting that Ron has here is one of the Chilitas who are the women of Bolivia who wear long flowing floral dresses and bowler hats. Yes, and uh, they... Uh uh, recognised uh, that obviously uh, bowler hats uh, uh, that the uh, Europeans when they arrived were were wearing were seemed to be a, a symbol of status and power, and so the ladies loved them. And uh, the Chilitas, uh, uh, as part of their garb, uh, wear uh, bowler hats uh, with um, usually with gold jewellery uh, attached to them. And uh, they have uh, wonderful outfits. They spare no expense, even though they are uh, you know, 
wouldn't say that they're wealthy people, but that's one of the things that they can spend money on. Uh, and the lovely flouncy uh, dresses that they wear, and there's really uh, quite a sight. And I'm pleased to say my three Chilitas very kindly stood for me to take a photograph of them. And here they are, smiling away. Thank you very much, Chilitos. Mm, Chilitos. That's lovely. So let's now go to wonder number seven for us, Mm. which was the Chichen Itza in Mexico. Well, we went via um, uh, Cuba. Cuba. And then uh, to Chichen Itza, our last wonder. We could hardly believe our good fortune that there we were. Uh, staring at uh, the final of our seven wonders of the world. Chichen Itza, um, which means mouth of the Itza, is a Mayan temples or pyramids um, and a, a very large archaeological site um, in Mexico. Yes. And, and it was our as you said, very rightly so, our seventh wonder of the world. My sound entry for that day, Ron, was a 5am wake-up call in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, the taste entry was tequila, lime and salt, which we had our celebratory drink when we returned home. And the touch entry I had in my diary for that day was walking hand in hand with Ron at Chichen Itza, knowing that we had achieved our dream of visiting the seven wonders of the world. Well, we had indeed. It was a, a, a moment of, uh, of elation. And uh, uh, we actually finished our... Um, our trip uh, in uh, Cancun in Mexico with uh, so a few days in beautiful uh, Cancun, just a resort, a uh, superb resort. So that is the story of the seven uh, wonders of the world, Wonderlust, and you've been listening to it on the Targo Access Radio uh, on the Arty Farty Show with Ron Esplin and uh, Julie Woods, or that blind woman, or that wife of mine I might say and uh, I hope you've enjoyed hearing the stories uh, and we're going to finish because uh, uh, as we said we wanted to to, uh, uh, visit the seven wonders uh, but of course we had a dream and uh, just to help us along uh, we'll uh, finish our um, broadcast today uh, with ABBA one of Julie's favourite groups uh, singing uh, We Had a Dream. Try. 
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.